I'm Akina. And I'm Laurel. And this is Jane Austen Culture Night. In this week's episode, you will find Italian arias, annoying cousins, and umbrellas. There will be spoilers and maybe some cursing. This week, we're reading chapters 19 and 20 in Persuasion. Um, so these are like the most exciting two chapters I have read It's in a long time. Oh my gosh. It's all leading to this. Yeah. It it's so wild. I did not <laughs> expect it because we left off with chapter 18 and, um, and Admiral Croft is like, oh, and I think we should try and get Captain Wentworth to come visit us. Don't you think we should get him to yeah. come? Um, and while they're just walking along and he's talking about how bad these paintings are that they're looking at. Yeah. Um, and then the very next chapter it opens, the first sentence, it's like, while Admiral Croft was taking this walk with Anne and expressing his wish of getting Captain Wentworth to Bath, Captain Wentworth was already on his way thither. I know. I was surprised, too, at how fast that happened. I was like, oh, it's just, (laughs) he's coming. He's already on his way. I have goosebumps now. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? What? I was like, not fully awake. And I was like, what is happening? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And, um, And then she sees him, right? She sees him right away. So, so, so he's there. Yeah. But um, she has no idea, of course. She's out walking with her sister and Mrs. Clay and yeah. Mr. Elliot, their cousin. Mm-hmm. And it's starting to, like, have a light misting and, uh, like, a little bit of a rain. So they run into, um, what do they call it, Mullins, which seems to be, like, a, they call it a sweet shop. And it's, mm-hmm. like, a fashionable place to be. So... I think of it as like Zooks. Is it Zooks? In or no, Honey Dukes. Yes. <laughs> I think of it as Honey Dukes in um, Hogsmeade. Yeah. Honey Dukes is in Hogsmeade. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, but it's like where I guess all the fashionable ladies go to like get some cake or some treats. Mm-hmm. And um, so they run in there for shelter which um, Elizabeth, Elliot, and sister is, like, a little bit excited by because then they get to, like, show off and, you know, see who's there. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then they find out Lady Dalrymple's carriage is just down the way. And so Mr. Yes. Elliot's like, you guys stay here. I'm going to go ask Lady Dalrymple if there's room in her carriage so that she can take some of you back home because as we said, it's misting. A lady cannot walk when it's misting right. out. Yes. Um, so he leaves and, um, and then he comes back and he's like, okay, but there's like only room for two. And so like, obviously Elizabeth Elliot, Miss Elliot is just like, yeah, I'm going to take one of the two spots. Yes. Um, I'm the eldest, blah, blah, blah. And, um, that's not even a question. But then Mrs. Clay and Anne are, like, arguing forcefully about who should go with Elizabeth. They're both trying to tell the other person to go. Anne is like, hey, it's just a little bit of rain. I'm totally fine. I can totally walk 
back. Um, Mr. Elliot was going to walk back. I'll just walk with him. It's fine. Mm -hmm. And Mrs. Clay is like, no, but um, you, you don't have great boots. I have great boots. I can (laughs) totally walk. It's totally fine. Like, don't worry about me. Also, like, I'm sure she feels like she's the poor one. And so she can't be the one to like invite herself into the carriage. Right. Anyway, after all this arguing, which apparently then like Mr. Elliot has to like help decide who mm-hmm. whose boots are the thickest. Yes. <laughs> um, he decides Mrs. Clay's boots are the thickest, which is like, okay, so do you like No, Anne's boots are the thickest. Anne's boots are the thickest. Which means she can she is better equipped to walk. Yes. And so she's gonna walk with him, which is like, did you choose that because you just want to walk with Anne? Yeah, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> um, and so Mrs. Clay and um and Elizabeth. So Elizabeth. So Mr. Elliot takes the both of them to Lady Dalrymple's carriage when they're ready. Is that what happened? Because then she's just sitting there. Anna's just well, sitting and there then, in the window. Right. And then it says he goes off on uh he has something else to do. Yes. He goes off on something for Mrs. Clay. Like, yeah, he's going to go run an errand, run an errand real quick. And so she's just waiting for him to come back. And who does she see across oh my the street? God. <laughs> he's just like passing through by the window. She sees Captain Wentworth. Yeah. Oh, my God. And she's like, oh, my, I, oh, God, I love this moment because she gets flustered and it, and she's like, oh, my gosh. Um, and she doesn't know what to do. And she's like trying to compose herself. And then he sees her and she yeah. notices him like blush and, and like yes. get really uncomfortable. And oh, it's amazing. They have these like awkward awkward moment and then it's she's like should so i go awkward. to the door no i shouldn't wait i'm gonna go and <laughs> well because she thinks she sees him pass by yeah. and she's like oh my god oh my god oh my god i just saw like the love of my life walk by and i didn't think he was in town yeah and then she's like okay he walked by so he's he didn't see me so it's safe to like kind of inch near the door so i can get another look at him yeah and then all of a sudden he comes in through the door right and she's already had a second to prepare that like captain wentworth is in town but he has and like i just saw him but he has not had a second to prepare for her yeah and so he's like full-on shock yes and cannot hide it as well as he usually does. Yes. So he is very awkward at first and, and kind of flustered, um, which is very cute. And then they they end up starting up a conversation. Yeah. And eventually they kind of like both get their bearing. Can I just say that there's a line that I love here? Yeah. It says, for the first time. Since their renewed acquaintance, she felt that she was betra- she was betraying the least sensibility of the two. Yes. She's like, she had the advantage of him. Yes. Yeah. So she was able to be calm and composed. And- yeah. And then, <laughs> and then they're like, okay, we'll just stick with like some topics that we know we can talk about. And so um, they were... They were, they kind of calmed down and she was yeah. like, oh, he's talking about like upper cross and the Musgroves and 
even of Louisa. And, um, but... Oh, and so they, they haven't gone to the um, carriage yet because Elizabeth no. is still there. Oh, right. He because was Elizabeth go. makes it a point oh not God. to basically ignore him. Elizabeth, Elizabeth is such a bitch. And I feel like I always feel so bad thinking that because I'm like, we just had Elizabeth Bennett and Pride and Prejudice is like the love of my life. And yeah. I love her so much. And then it like pains <laughs> me that there's like a really shitty Elizabeth here. Yes. All and, like, you're names. betraying your kind. <laughs> So um, they notice each other and uh, it's obvious that she like knows who he is, but she uh, makes it a point like not to greet him, which is very embarrassing for Anne. And she's like, oh, no, this is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, and so Captain Wentworth was like, aren't you going with them to the carriage? Because the servant just called for, like, Miss Elliot to come, that the right. Lady Dalrymple's carriage is waiting, which is, like, um, which is probably, like, made Elizabeth's day that, like, in the crowded, fashionable sweet shop, someone, like, the servant of Lady Dalrymple is, like, calling her name and announcing right. that their carriage is ready right um and anna's like oh you know what? i'm gonna walk it's totally fine um right. and and kevin Wentworth is like oh i can walk you home or like can i do anything well he's he's like but it's raining you can't walk in yeah. the rain and she's like no no i'm good uh like really i would rather walk um and then this part's so cute he like offers his umbrella and I love when he says though I came only yesterday I have equipped myself properly for a bath already you see cute (laughs) cute. Uh, and then um and then she's like no I'm just waiting for Mr. Elliot to come back and and then he does like almost on cue and well it is on cue because Jane Austen wrote it that way but you know um (laughs) he comes back and he's like all right let's go and and then immediately uh Captain Wentworth like sees Mr. Elliot and he remembers that he was the guy in Bath that they or not in Bath in Lyme that they saw on the cliffs who was checking Anne out uh, yeah. and she's like, what, you know, they, there's this recognition there and, and Mr. Elliot basically like takes her arm and sweeps her away and she's like, okay, bye. <sighs> and that's it. And, <sighs> and then, so they're walking together and then Anne's basically like, uh, Mr. Elliot keeps talking to her and she's like, oh my God, please stop talking. I can't think about anything except what just happened. <sighs> Um, I feel so bad for Anne. Mr. Elliot is always, like, in these two chapters, Mr. Elliot is always talking her ear off and, like, trying to be funny and witty and polite. And she's just like, fucking stop, please. He's such a cock block in this. (laughs) These two chapters. (laughs) Um, It seems like Captain Wentworth is with a few, like, a party of a few people. And it, it seems like Bath is just, like, totally inundated with naval officers so it's like not hard to assume that like some of his naval friends and their wives or sisters or whoever they're all hanging out together and he's like part of a larger party this is like everybody's there on vacation and everybody goes out into the streets or the shops and that's where you see people yeah it's like 
Cancun spring break or something where it's like everyone's just gone from Penn State to Cancun and you see all the same people there and it's whatever. Um, So the women in his party are talking about Anne and they're talking about how much they love her more than they love her sister, even though they say like, you know, I guess her sister is more classically beautiful and stuff, but, mm-hmm. um, but they love Anne so much. And, and also that like her cousin, Mr. Mm-hmm. Elliot is always hanging around her and who knows what that means. Right. And they're like, isn't he so good looking? And they look so good together and, you know, wink, wink. And Captain Wentworth is hearing all of this. Yes, rub it in. <laughs> After what he did with her and and Louisa, Louisa I'm like, you deserve all of this, <laughs> Freddie. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. So then it cuts back to Anne and and we're back with Mr. Elliot talking her ear off, and she's just trying to parse out Captain Wentworth and um just like she doesn't know how long he's gonna stay she also realizes like lady russell is around and she's like are they gonna meet each other and um now she's gonna have to tell lady russell that louisa is gonna be married to captain bennick right um yeah so she's just like kind of freaking out and trying to game out what is gonna happen the next few days and she's also hoping that she's going to see him again. Yes. So anytime she goes out, she's like looking for him on the street. Maybe they'll have that chance meeting. Um, she's going out to some of the parties and things, but he's not at the parties that she's at. There's this great line, the elegant stupidity of private parties. <laughs> she said <laughs> She's at all of these private parties and she can't stand it. She's like, it's so boring. And Captain Wentworth is not here. (laughs) Then she is out on a walk with Lady Russell and they're walking. And she realizes that Captain Wentworth is standing with a group of, I think with a group of naval officers. I don't know. That's how I imagine it. Um, And Lady Russell is like looking and looking around and Anne is like, fuck, she's going to notice him. And then I'm going to have to talk to her about him. And like, maybe introduce them and is lady russell gonna be like a jerk like elizabeth was like obviously lady russell is not that kind of a jerk but like something is about to happen and then they walk by and like she thinks lady russell has seen them um but then lady russell is like oh my gosh you know what someone told me that there were like were amazing like one of the houses on the street had amazing curtains and i keep looking and looking and looking through all the windows to see like which is the house that has amazing curtains and I can't figure it out. And so then Anne realizes like Lady Russell was not looking at any of the people on the street. She had no idea that Captain Wentworth was there. She was just looking at curtains. <laughs> um, and then, and because she was so preoccupied with, with Lady Russell and what she was going to, uh, how she was yes. going to react to Wentworth, she was like, I missed the opportunity to see if he noticed me at all and actually looked yeah. over. Oh, then um, the scene, this this chapter ends with um, just like her having a, a quick visit with um, her friend, Mrs. Smith. Um, oh, they're going to go to a concert. They are. They It says they are going to go to a concert and she's like excited because she knows that Captain Wentworth loves music. So, and he'll, so probably he'll probably be there. Be there. So she's um, and she was supposed to go hang out with Mrs. Smith. 
but she she says like, oh, I'm going to this concert. Can we do it the next day? And Mrs. Smith um, says, oh, yeah, just as long as you tell me how great the concert is. And um, there's this interesting part where you get yes. the sense that Mrs. Smith knows something that we don't know. Yes. Because she gets really quiet when Anne tells her all of the people that are going to the concert. Yeah. And then she gives this cryptic line about like, well, I heartily wish your concert may answer and do not fail me tomorrow if you can come for I begin to have a foreboding that I may not have many more visits from you. <laughs> Mrs. Smith. So cryptic. Oh my God. You are just so sly. <laughs> so... Anne's like, what? Okay, that's weird. Um, and then yeah, she's like, gotta go, bye. <laughs> yeah. So then chapter 20 is the concert. Concert? I've never been to a concert this exciting in my life. <laughs> an Italian aria. <laughs> an Italian uh, opera. It's. I don't think it's an actual opera. It seems like so, a, a singer who's just like singing arias. Yeah, it's just like a few selections of different songs. It's yes. not like a full... Yeah, but opera. it is an Italian, which is important to note because Anne yes. um, knows some Italian and ends up translating to Mr. Elliot and some of the rest of the group. Yeah. So it seems like uh, Sir Walter and Elizabeth Anne and Mrs. Clay uh, get there pretty early on the early side, and then they yeah. hang out near the entrance because they know, like, Lady Dalrymple is coming, and they're like, oh, we must be seen with her again. Mm-hmm. And so we'll, like, because, you know, we're cousins and everything, and so they're, like, hanging out. And then um, and then Captain Wentworth comes in alone. Yeah, And Anne is near him. And so... Um, and he's going to just say hi and, like, keep walking. But she, because of her gentle, how do you do, um, he decides to stand near her. I feel like yeah. he just sees, like, just, like, I can totally picture him just being like, yeah, I'm going to just say hi and keep going. And then she's right. just like, hello. Well, and, <laughs> and Anne, makes, his it, Anne, makes, crumbles. It, Anne makes it a point, too, that she's going to, like, stand firm and go up and talk to him because she's very aware that Lady Russell and her family are all there yeah. seeing what's happening. And she's like, I know none of these people approve of him. And she's like, I don't care. I'm going to talk to him. I've been waiting to talk to him. And so. And, uh, like, they're being rude. And so I have to be, like, extra polite. Yes. Just yes. to show that, like what good manners are. So I love that. It's, it feels like this little moment of empowerment for Anne where she's just like, you know what? I don't care what you guys think. I'm going to go talk to him. And, uh, yeah. So she says, how do you do when he bows and he stands up and is like, Oh, okay. And, and they start talking about Lyme and, um, And this is where um, they they actually start talking about Louisa and what happened there because um, Anne says, you know, oh, I would love to go to Lyme again. It was so beautiful. And he's like, oh, I thought you would never want to go there again because of the horrible tragedy that happened. And she's like, well, you know, that was horrible, but the rest of the time was so lovely. And uh, 
you know, you can't, they're talking around, you get the sense that everything that they're talking about is like subtext for something else. Um, Because because they're talking about lime um and and says one does not love a place the less for having suffered in it unless it has been all suffering nothing but suffering which was by no means the case at lime and then um but when they're talking about louisa and bennick um uh captain wentworth is talking about how Yes, he hopes they're happy, but he was very surprised that Bennick would propose to Louisa because they're so different and because Bennick was so, so in love with his fiance who died and he's he's just really surprised that this feels like such a spontaneous uh, decision. And he says, a man does not recover from such a devotion of the heart to such a woman. He ought not. He does not. And you're just like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's like this little and Anne even says later that it's like these are like little clues that they're dropping into the conversation. Like they're talking about something else. But really, we're talking about the fact that I'm still in love with you. And I'm oh, it's so amazing. <laughs> it's just such a bombshell. It's such a huge bombshell because they're like dancing around it. They're talking about bath at first. And then, yeah, and then he brings up Lime and how shocking that must have been for her. And then they're talking a little bit about that and the Musgroves. And and he's like, yeah, Louisa is a very amiable, sweet-tempered girl and not deficient in understanding. But Bennick is something more. He is a clever man, a reading man, and I do, and I confess that I do consider his attaching himself to her with some surprise. And then he says, "Had it been the effect of gratitude, had he learned to love her because he believed her in preferring to be preferring him, it would have been another thing." So he's saying, like, if she, if Louisa had decided that she loved Captain Bennick and like kept pursuing him, yeah. she would understand. Captain Bennick being like worn down by the um, just by the excitement of someone choosing you. Yeah. And she might have like learned to love Louisa, but it mm-hmm. seemed like a spontaneous thing from both of Captain Bennick and Louisa and that he just cannot abide by. Right. And he's like, you know, Fanny um, Harville, Captain Bennick's fiance who passed was like, an amazing woman and to just like be in love with her. And then just a few months after her death, choose someone else who's like, I don't know, not as under like, it's just so weird how they like judge people back in the day. Like, (laughs) but I mean, you could imagine a friend being like, listen, she is a nice girl, but like you just met her. And most of the time you spent with her was when she was, in a coma or like had <laughs> severe head trauma. Like, are you sure you want to jump into this? Like give it, give it a few more months, maybe, you know? <laughs> and it feels a little bit like while you were sleeping or something. Which right? yes! like <laughs> is like one of the creepiest movies in existence, but I also love it so much. It's amazing. It's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, 
I just feel like he's like I'm a little bit pissed with him because he's like shitting on Louisa and it's yeah. like yeah you were pers- like you guys were everyone thought you guys were gonna get married and so it was okay for you to like kind of be flirty with her but yeah. like okay dude I also I also don't like how everybody is making Louisa seem like some ditz or something yeah. just because she's like she's young and like excited about life and like you know yeah i don't know um just like she's a reading as if as if louisa doesn't know how to read poetry or something like come on and i met a lot of like so-called smart people who are like really dumb so (laughs) you know for sure. So, yeah, I definitely don't like that implication. But I also think in this passage, he's intentionally trying to get across to Anne that he was never in love with Louisa. Yeah. And that he's, you know, yeah, she's a nice girl, but I I don't think that highly of her or I'm not sad that we weren't married. We didn't get married because I know that's what everybody thought was gonna happen yeah yeah and so um it says like that the party is like super loud and there's like people coming in and out and chatting really loud near them and Anne like doesn't hear anything she's just thinking about like what Captain Wentworth said and then there's like this pause and they don't know what to say and then she's like oh yeah you were at line for a while right and he was like oh yeah and so they start talking a little bit again and just about like how beautiful the countryside was. And then that's when Anne says some, that thing that you mentioned about like how just the the last two hours were painful, but there was, um, but the country was very beautiful and she'd love to go back. And then they're interrupted by people talking about how Lady Dalrymple has just arrived. I don't know if whether it's announced or um, or what, but um, Sir Walter and and he Sir Walter like goads his daughters to step to the front of the party with him so they can all be seen greeting Lady Dalrymple and so that kind of breaks up Anne and Captain Wentworth. Um a little bit, but it says she's like, Anne is not even like that upset because she's just so excited to like think about what Captain Wentworth just said. Oh, she's so happy. She's like, this is, yeah. oh my God. It's, it's so nice to see her happy. She says, yes. Anne saw nothing, thought nothing of the brilliancy of the room. Her happiness was from within. Her eyes were bright and her cheeks glowed. Oh, it's so nice. And then she's um, she's just reflecting on the conversation the whole time. And she's mentioning that his demeanor is so different from when they were at Uppercross. And there was this cold kindness yeah. that she was talking about. And she's like, what could account for this change? And she's like, he must love me. This it has to be <laughs> right at the end she says he must love her yes oh so there's this little little blossom of hope oh, it goosebumps all over again and so then the whole time she's she's kind of still looking for him but she's has to focus on the concert and um, you know she's sitting with Mr. Elliot and the rest of the party and she's tra- this is when she starts translating 
um, the Aria and Mr. Elliot is, uh, she's talking to Mr. Elliot. Yeah. And she's like explaining what she's like, kind of, yeah, doing a little bit of translating and saying like, I'm really sorry. I'm not that proficient in Italian. Like, but I think this is like what the song means. And he's like, Mr. Elliot is so funny. And he's like, um, yeah, I, he says, I see you know nothing of the matter. You have only knowledge enough of the language to translate at sight these inverted, transposed, curtailed Italian lines into clear, comprehensible, elegant English. You need not say anything more of your ing- ignorance. Here is complete proof. And he's just teasing her and saying, yes. like, oh, yeah, you're so bad at Italian, but you can, like, just translate on the spot to me. Like, right. <laughs> um, yeah. And he's, and he's complimenting her. And then he yes. says, um, you know, Oh, it's been so long since I've seen you at the house. I've missed seeing you there. Um, you know, you're the reason that I want to visit so often, basically. Yeah, Mr. Elliot is laying it on And she starts like blushing kind of and she's like, she's like, you haven't known me that long. And he's like, but I have heard about you from long before this. And we're like, ooh, what? And and she's like, from who? What are you talking about? And he won't tell her. He's like, no, no, it's my secret. Um, Yeah. She's like trying to figure out who he might have known that would have told him about her. And he's just like. Yeah, not giving up anything. Um, it's a, he says the name of Anne Elliot very long has has possessed a charm over my fancy. Ooh. And, and the, the second part of that sentence. This this whole two chapters. Maybe I'm just a little sleep deprived today, but like these whole two chapters are like bombshell after bombshell to the point that I'm like so shaken. I like cannot. <laughs> recall what's happening i'm just so turned around but like then there's he says if i dared i would breathe my wishes that the name might never change (laughs) so he's saying he doesn't want her to get married to anyone else yeah also if he married her because they're cousins and that's gross they would (laughs) each she wouldn't have to change her name same last name (laughs) So she's just like, wait, uh, did I hear that right? And then, um, and, and, but the, you know, they're at a party and she hears more, um, voices specifically. She hears her dad, Sir Walter talking to Lady Dalrymple about Captain Wentworth. Yes. And he calls him a good looking man. So yeah. And, and Lady Dalrymple is like, oh, I think he might, must be Irish. And she's Irish. So she, mm-hmm. that, like, I feel she like approves. she's trying to, yeah, approve. Um, yeah, so she glances at him and then the, like, orchestra is starting back up. So um, she, like, kind of wants to get away from Mr. Elliot. Yes, she's like, now what? she very much oh, wants to get God. away from him. She's like, oh, no, this is awkward now. <laughs> so she's trying to, like, maneuver like how to sit down where she's not right next to Mr. Elliot and she kind of gets to sit near Lady Russell Mm -hmm. um and then she realizes Lady Russell has spied Captain Wentworth yes yes um Um, but he does not come by to um 
he doesn't come back to say hi to her. It um, seems like there's an intermission or something because people are kind of yeah. up shuffling around. And yeah. then um, when she sits back down again, she positions herself in a way that there is room on the bench for like right <sighs> next to her in the aisle for somebody to like easily come up and sit down next to her. And she's like hoping he'll come over. Um, and then he does come over, but he doesn't sit down. And he is, you know, she says hello and he's very like curt and basically is yeah. like really cranky all of a sudden. And she's like, what? Yeah, so cranky. So cranky. He the singing isn't well. Uh, he, he expected better of all the musicians. Yeah. Yeah. He's like having a little mini tantrum. I listen. I love Wentworth, but he's a little... <laughs> hormonal <laughs> just um and yeah so he's he's really cranky and Anne's like what's going on um he looks to sit down he looks like he looks at the seat like as if he's contemplating sitting down but then he doesn't and then again Mr. Elliot comes in and is like Anne Anne we need you to translate for us come on over and she's like uh, <laughs> he's like lady dalrymple and her daughter need you to translate and yes. then she's like fuck um, yeah because it kind of i'm on i kind of think that captain wentworth would have sat down it's like he's yeah. looking at the seat and yeah. then well and, and it Mr. says Ellie. that Anne starts well he comes over to her really cranky and then Anne starts to talk to him and kind of yeah. like assuage him and then he starts to kind of smile a little bit and she she's She's noticing that he's like calming down or warming up and and then yes, and then he's almost thinking of sitting down and then it gets snatched away from her. Um, and it says she never had she sacrificed to politeness with a more suffering spirit. Oh. Um, and she's yeah, so after a few minutes of translating um and explaining like what this what was going to happen next, like what kind of aria was going to be sung. Um, Captain Wentworth like kind of interrupts her to say a reserved yet hurried sort of farewell. Um, and then he says, he, Oh my God. He <laughs> says he must wish her good night. He was going, he should get home as fast as he could. And then Anne says, is not this song we're staying for? Oh. Oh, and then he says, no, there's nothing worth my staying for. Again, Ugh. a little hormonal. <laughs> and then so she dramatic. Thinks, <laughs> she thinks he must be jealous of her cousin, Mr. Elliot. Mm -hmm. um, and she's like, that's the only reason he he's being hot and cold. And like, she's like, I can't even believe it. I wouldn't have believed this like a week ago or even three hours ago. But for the moment, she's pretty happy that he's jealous. Yeah, she's actually happy. She's like, oh, my God, he's jealous. But she's also a little bit stressed because she's like, I want him to know that I am not yes. interested in Mr. Elliot at all. Yeah. And how do I how do I like send him this message? Because we're just talking in codes and meeting, you know, clandestinely. So. Yeah. yeah, she says, how was the truth to reach him? Oh, how would he ever learn her real sentiments? 
it was misery to think of Mr. Elliot's attentions. Their evil was incalculable. Yes. <laughs> Man. That's it. That's that's chapter 19 and 20. Woo! Those chapters. <laughs> I am shaken. <laughs> Oh, man. It's just... Come on. I just... I feel like Jane Austen always does, like, this slow burn, and then all of a sudden things start hitting you left and right, and I'm just like... Yeah. Whoa, Well, this book especially, the pace of it is really, really slow in the beginning, and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa! everyone everyone's in the you know again it's it's that you know the ball scenes or the concert scenes it's like we've set up all of these little uh moments and the different characters and their stories and how they interact with each other and then we put them all in the same room (laughs) yeah yeah it's so intricate how like all of these relationships work and again she does the best job of that I feel like I couldn't shut up about that when we were talking about Pride and Prejudice just like when you would have like Jane and Mr. Bingley and Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy and Mrs. Bennet and like all these people in a room and you know exactly how all of them are feeling about each other but you know that they don't know how other ones that like you know exactly what they know and how they feel and just like it just all plays out in your mind and it goes yeah and wild. the the way that she gives these like small little moments you know the glances or the the bow the how do you do mm-hmm. like so much weight and so much significance that you're just like on the edge of your seat so <laughs> exciting because of all of the the internal stuff that's going on even though what's happening plus Plot wise is like they're at a concert. Yeah. <laughs> sitting down next to each other, you know? Uh it's great. And I love I love the subtext in there talking to each other about Lyme and Louisa and all of that. Um, like when she when Anne is talking about how she loves Lyme, even though there was like yeah. one moment of of it being really awful, to me it's like so much alluding to their previous relationship and how like, yes, it was awful that it ended. And, but I still think of it with so much, um, sentiment and, uh, you know, like cherish that, that time. And, uh. yeah, I love when he mentions, um, he mentions, like how worried he was about her because in the midst of the emergency at Lyme, when Louisa was like out cold, um, that she was the one who like kept it together. And she was the one who was like directing everyone on where to go. And, um, and she's just like, he's just like, yeah, I've been really worried that, it was like such a shock for you, but like you couldn't really show that because you had to keep it together for the rest of us. And I feel like the way he's 
thinks about that. I mean, like, obviously he's probably worried about her because he still loves her. Mm-hmm. But it also, I felt like, showed, like, a brief glimpse into, like, what he knows about trauma being from the Navy and yeah. being in the actual battle himself. Because he so says true. this really interesting line in Chapter 20. He said... I am afraid you must have suffered from the shock and the more from it's not overpowering you at the time, which I was like, that is like, he's like essentially alluding to PTSD where it's like the shock in the moment isn't, isn't what he's worried about. It's like the repercussions after. Yeah. The fact that she was so composed in the moment, uh, he knows that later is actually when the, when it hits, when when the yeah. stress and the trauma hits. And uh, yeah, that is really interesting. And then um, very soon after that, he talks about how he's so surprised that she says, you know, I like Lyme and it's fine. And then he says, the horror and distress you were involved in, the stretch of mind, the wear of spirits. I should have thought your last impressions of Lyme must have been strong disgust. And this is where I'm just like, He's talking about himself. He's talking about Uh, like he, you know, the subtext here is that, you know, our last moments together, um, basically the breakup, like you, you must have been disgusted with me. I feel like there's this, this piece of him being vulnerable and asking like, are you disgusted with me because of how I reacted to our breakup and because of that, um, you know, the trauma of that experience and, you know, and then she says this thing about uh, the Lyme, you know, the the, mo- the that one horrific moment doesn't define the whole thing. And the, yeah. most of it was really wonderful. Yeah. Um, when the pain is over, the remembrance of it often becomes a pleasure. Yes. Oh, oh. so sexy, Anne. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, I just, I'm like sitting here covered in goosebumps this whole time. I'm just like, oh my God, you guys. <laughs> I wish I knew what, because um, Jane Austen does so many like literary references to other books. Yes. And I almost wish that there was uh, a mention of like what music they were listening to uh. that was going on at the concert, because I feel like um, it could have been something apropos to the scene you know yeah I don't think yeah because she doesn't really mention a specific work that she's listening to no at the concert just that it's Italian she does make him reference to um the heroine of Fanny Burney's novel I think it's Cecilia Cecilia. I read in undergrad and I totally yeah I totally forget the plot (laughs) I think it's like a poor girl that marries rich it's a it's a it's a rich girl because i looked it up yes it's a rich girl but she's trying to marry like richer (laughs) she's like marrying above her station still even though she's in the higher class um yeah and she makes reference to this one character in the book um Miss LaRue, Miss uh, LaRose, yes. She's referencing her when she's trying to figure out, like, how to get Captain Wentworth to To sit sit. next to her after the um, intermission at the party. And she's like, that is, like, the most conniving Anne 
ever is, I think, right. is when she's just like, can I figure out how to get an empty seat next to me? Right. Just <laughs> <laughs> so adorable. Yeah. No, these are so exciting. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm just, I don't know why I feel like so disappointed in them talking about like how Louisa is a nice girl, but she's like not that smart. But then I'm like, I don't know. No, I I also did not love that part. Yeah. Okay. Because I feel like, I mean, I, I'm at heart, I, I feel like I'm like a, I'm a socialist and I believe everyone needs, everyone needs access to education and everyone, I feel like there shouldn't be any billionaires allowed and everyone should every playing field should be as equitable or as equal as possible. But at my heart, I feel like I know I am a snob. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah. So it, it, I have a lot of feelings where I'm like, yeah, would I want to hang out with Louisa? Probably not. But like, <laughs> so like, am I better than them? <laughs> no, but like, also I don't, want to trash someone for being like not my cup of tea I just like would rather hang out maybe with other people right I think uh I think it is a little bit of misogyny in in it because it's Louisa is presented as very feminine very like bubbly and so the idea that anything you know, it, anything teen girls, right, is looked at as unserious. Yeah. You know, um, and which is just not true. But it's yeah. not true. And I'm like, how like everyone talks about Captain Ben more Benick as being like, a, like, so thoughtful and kind and wonderful person who just has all these feelings. And I'm like, I haven't seen that much evidence of that I've I've only seen that he like talked Anne's ear off about like Mm. what or or, like they talked about like what poetry they liked and I'm like yes I do judge people based on like what they like sometimes but just because he can like quote a few people and has read a few books does that mean that he is like actually an intelligent like thoughtful person as someone who was an English major, I have been in many yeah. a class with <laughs> like yeah. literary oh bros, God. basically, who, you know, hide their misogyny behind, uh, you know, dissecting literature and stuff and basically being that. like, oh, I am so smart and I'm so serious and cultured yeah. and really it's like no you're just being a jerk <laughs> and I'd just rather just hang out with an actual jerk who's not pretentious than to hang out with a pretentious jerk they're the worst kind of jerks and we definitely had them in art school the art bros who want to talk to you about like French art theory and they just use their quote yeah they use the fact that they can quote someone off the top of their head to just like yeah, shout down the woman in the class. Yeah. Essentially. And, you know, it's the same way that, like, somebody will read Dickens or yes. uh, or 
Hemingway and be like, oh, this great literary, you know, the, you know, masterworks. But then we'll look at Jane Austen and be yeah. like, oh, it's chiclet, right? It's yeah. romance and not yeah. read into the depth. And um, yeah, it's not treated the same way. It really isn't. And it's um, really irritating. Um Sorry, I just have so many feelings about it because I see this happen in the art world all the time, too. Yeah. Certain people are considered um, certain people are considered to be geniuses and then other people are considered to be um, I they talk about their identity too much uh, mm-hmm. and. And so they're niche and then they like they're like kind of uninteresting and and they're not part of um, they're not part of the pantheon of the artists that we accept as great. And it's like, I'm sorry, they make amazing work. Um, Right. I feel like maybe we'll get into this in a future episode that we've been talking about, but. So stay tuned. And maybe I'll actually drink coffee for that episode. So I'll be able to keep track of my thoughts because they're wandering right now. No, I hear you. And there's also this, I, I know also like growing up in the 90s, it's always this thing <gasps> yeah. of like wanting to wanting to listen to the alternative stuff and not being into like the stuff that everybody that was popular yeah. or like. And now as I'm getting older, I'm just like, listening like I am a Taylor Swift fan now I was not before and I was like oh she's like too you know she's like very poppy and now I'm like you know what her songs are really catchy and I like them and it's fun and I can like things that I can just like people can like what they like and it doesn't have to mean anything deeper than you know about what your culture is or what you know it's so so many ways that we judge each other and judge ourselves and try and fit into these boxes. It's part of that whole um, social class stuff. Yeah. I do that to myself. I usually keep a list at the back of my day, the last page of my day planner. Um, I usually keep a list of like what books I've read that year. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just read some really shitty books that I'm like, I don't want to write these down. Then, like, what if someone sees, like, the shit I read sometimes? It's so bad. Um, And maybe this is, like, our segue. Or did you have anything else to talk about for these chapters? Or Um, Not specifically. I was going to mention Cecilia, which you already did, that (laughs) reference. And um, I had highlighted the Baroche, which is uh, Lady Dalrymple's carriage, because um, I was listening to the audiobook, And so they're saying Baroche, Baroche. And I was like, that's a great word, Baroche. So that's her carriage. And so I, I Googled it and like looked up a picture of it. Um, they said it's like a four person. Uh, well, some of them could be two people, but it seems like hers was like a four person carriage. So... Um, oh yeah, it's not that big. It's not that big. Um, I love when he's like, oh, well, the Captain Wentworth is like, oh, so you're not going in that carriage. Well, at least let me call you a chair. And I look, I Googled what that is. And that's just like two people walking and holding you up like in a chair. (laughs) Like, Like there's no horses involved. You're just being carried through the streets by 
two men like wow. holding you like on a chair on poles what? and I'm just like yeah I was like oh that sounds so awkward <laughs> oh god wow I was I was just imagining like I don't like making small talk like I can make small talk but I don't want to so the, like the few times I've taken an uber anywhere it's just like I'm always in that like oh my God, do, do I like turn myself on and be friendly this whole time? Or yeah. can I just like be quiet? And then I just imagine like that, but like the two people are like grunting because they're like carrying you. <laughs> God. I mean, I'm sure you wouldn't have to like chit chat with your chair people. <laughs> right. <laughs> Home of the historic Roman baths, regal architecture, and refined culture, there's never a shortage of things to do in beautiful Bath. Whether you take in a concert or spend the day people watching on the busy streets full of England's most fashionable people, you'll always find new sights and experiences to delight. In fact, the only thing you can count on in Bath is a wonderful vacation, and of course, you're going to need an umbrella. Wentworth Umbrellas, the official umbrella of Bath. I don't even need to tell you like what I, what my favorite line was this time because I feel like I just kept reading aloud everything. I know, I did too. I, I read so many of the lines. I was like, there's so many good ones in this, in these yeah. chapters. Also, I just love that Captain Wentworth is like surrounded by these like nameless ladies who are yeah. just like pumping Anne up and they're yeah. like, oh, and your cousin likes her. And I can kind of get the feeling that like every time Captain Wentworth looks like kind of sad, you're like, oh, it's because like these ladies were probably kept talking about how wonderful Anne is and how she'll probably marry her cousin. And like, mm -hmm. it's probably <laughs> making him so mad. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really love these chapters. I can't, as I said, I'm yawning. <laughs> Just didn't sleep well last night. Um, but I cannot wait to read what happens next. I know. I'll oh. just read one more line. I don't oh, yes, think I read this do. one. Oh my god! But but we only have two more episodes. Oh I know. God, there's only four chapters. There's only left. four chapters left. Oh, this book is so much shorter. <laughs> okay. What were you about to say? <laughs> Well, this is very, this is, this is an appropriate sentiment for this uh -huh. moment. Um, it's when she first sees Captain Wentworth in Bath and she says, all the overpowering, blinding, bewildering first effects of strong surprise were over with her. Still, however, she had enough to feel. It was agitation, pain, pleasure, a something between delight and misery. <laughs> I'm totally like not crying. <laughs> uh, uh, delighted misery that we only have two misery. Four more chapters, two more episodes left in this book. Oh, let me start over. <laughs> okay, so we were talking a little bit about what 
we were reading or I was talking about what I was reading and I'm looking at my notes here and I don't understand what Fit, they are. <laughs> what is FIT? Maybe I I'll remember. Know. Did I talk last time? Oh, Fleischman in, is in trouble. Oh, I watched it after you mentioned I it. I will, um, in the chat, I watched it. Okay. I did finish it, but the last episode, like I had to keep starting and stopping because mm-hmm. my husband started watching the show and then he came home and then he was like walking, watch, walking in and out of the room and I didn't want to spoil it for him. Yeah. So I have to watch the last episode again. Um, mm-hmm. But I I did um, really like the show. Yeah. Um, so you watched it. I did. I did watch it. What did you think? I liked it. I felt like, um, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I felt like the last episode, there were a couple parts that I felt like, oh, this is probably a hard part to translate from yeah. the book. So it felt a little awkward. Yeah. But I just... I just, you know, put that in as like, oh, there, this is a hard thing to. Yeah, that's, that's the sense I got. And then I wasn't sure whether that was just because, as I said, Andrew was just like walking in and out of the room. And I was yeah. like, please go away. But our house is very tiny. So there's no room for you to go. Yeah. Um, But I also felt like that deviated from the book more oh, than really? I remember. But. Like See, I, I just didn't read like the f- book, so I didn't have a reference for it. Yeah. And I thought, like, oh, maybe if I read the book, this it would might. this would this part is they're just trying to translate it to the screen, and so that it can be a little awkward yeah. sometimes. I also felt like it was I don't without giving things away. Like I know. it's kind of a it's kind of a little bit of a literary trope, like a little bit of a yeah a thing that I've seen done before. I, I mean, know. I think it was done well, but I was like, oh, okay, they're doing this thing. I know. <laughs> Like, I kind of want to go back and read the book again, or at least the last few chapters, because I I feel like the first six or seven episodes, I felt like adhered to the book pretty clearly, or I could remember like the little tiny parts that deviated. And then yeah. the last book, um, yeah, I don't want to like, yeah, spoiler alert, like maybe just skip 30 seconds ahead, but like, there's this like, you know, one of the main characters... Libby she like is like having this breakdown and I'm just like I feel like there's this point where I'm like are you wanting to implode your life just because you're like having a hard time working on your project like because I get that and I've been there but I feel like most of this is like you're having a really rough time because you want to write a book and you haven't started yet and I think you're just like freaking out and also I feel like I can't really relate to people and this is why I was apprehensive of reading the book in the first place because I was like about privileged rich yeah people or I'm like you have a sense of security in your life that like Mm -hmm. I don't relate to and so um when Libby talks about how like when she Libby talks about how when she was so young and she um she had like the world at her fingertips and then she's saying like I had so much power I could have done anything and chosen to be anything and I gave that all away all my power for security and for her security is like getting married and having babies and moving to New Jersey right and I'm like 
I don't know. I just have a hard time relating to that because I'm like, I never felt like in my 20s. I mean, I, I was maybe single for like six months of my 20s. <laughs> um, True. But... Uh, I never felt like growing up, like I had the world at my fingertips yeah. and I had all this power and I could choose to be whatever I was. And then I had to give that up to get married. I mean, like, even though we like got married really young and you would have thought that I would have had that feeling, but I felt instead, like my husband and I were both in the same boat of like trying to figure out this crazy mm-hmm. life together. And so we were figuring it out together and it didn't feel like it felt like I had a partner in crime, not that like I had to give something up. Yeah. Anyway, so I felt like at that point, I was just like, you're doing fine. You just got to like take a writing class at, or like join a writing group and just start your novel and then you'll be fine. And right. I know, I also feel like I just know that that character is based a lot on the author. And I'm just like, sure. oh. Self-insert. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's very much like, to me, it was very much like a, everybody's having a midlife crisis and how they deal with it or or how it manifests. And yeah, midlife hits different when (laughs) you have an non-traditional upbringing. (laughs) Yeah. And it felt like a little bit like you could see the cracks in some of these characters where it's like, oh, you haven't had to deal with I hate like judging people this way, but it's like maybe you haven't had a lot of trauma in your life and you hadn't had to deal with a lot of stress before. And so this is really, really hard for you. Yeah. I mean, I spent my whole the whole first few episodes being like really angry that nobody was checking on uh, Rachel I was like, you guys, something is going on with her. Like, somebody go find her. Like, why is, like, everyone's just like, ah, they just do this. I'm like, no, somebody make sure this woman's, like, I could see the flags. I'm I'm sure it was, like, supposed to be, like, a shock and, like, a big turn. And I was like, no, 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 no. I see the red flags, like, flashing the entire time. And I'm like, somebody go check on her. She's not okay. When um, I'm sorry, that's I probably just spoiled it. (laughs) No, no, this is why, like, somehow I read somewhere, or I like imagine I read somewhere that like Fleischman in trouble was is in trouble was uh, um, was a murder mystery. And so I read like the first like 40, 60, and then like 120 pages being like. At some point, they're going to find out that Rachel's dead. And, well, and yeah, that's what I was like, worried about. I was like, I was you like, haven't been in contact with this person. She's not answering her phone. Like, she could be dead. Like, what? Yeah. Like, yeah, was like, why are you just assuming she is just, I'm, oh, my God. And then Toby and Lucy are going to have to team up and find out what happened. And I, like, kept waiting for it. And then at some point, I was like, there's 40 pages left in this book. Like, <laughs> the book I thought it was, but I'm almost done. So I'll just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, yeah, it's hard to talk about cause yeah, not everyone has watched it, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. I have some thoughts. I do really love how it was made though. Just like, I, I thought know. it was well done. I I, yeah. I did enjoy it. Um, and I feel like it was 
all the actors acted the shit out of that. Oh yeah, they were all Every really really one. good. Absolutely, and it, like Lizzie Kaplan forever and ever. Amazing. Yeah, she's amazing in it. Even the even the child actors, they were really even the good. Child actors, they were I'm so- like, you're so perfect. Yeah. This, I will say the scene of like Lizzie Kaplan dan- at dance class is yeah. like perfect and I was like oh my god I relate so much <laughs> I relate so much um I think I also talked about if books could kill my new favorite podcast I love it it's and really good just came out yesterday with a men are from Mars women yes. are from Venus episode which yes. I'm listening to right now and I I just feels so vindicated right. every minute of that podcast. I was like, I knew I hated this for a reason. <laughs> I was telling my friend, I was like, it feels like a early birthday gift to me. <laughs> my birthday coming up. I, I was, know. Is it tomorrow? It's tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. I know. Speaking of midlife crisis, yeah. I feel like the past two months, I'm like, oh, my God, because I'm turning 39. And even in the show, Fleischman in Trouble, they're like, no one's actually 39. You're, yeah. you're like you're in your 40s when you're 39. And right. people just keep claiming that they're 39, 39. on all of their socials. And, um, yeah, I'm like, but I'm really going to be 39. And I've definitely had this moment where I was like, I haven't accomplished anything in my life. And <laughs> I feel like I've, I've gone through my stages of grief, which I feel embarrassed to have. Mm. I feel embarrassed that, like, I get this upset about getting older because mm. I don't want to I don't want to buy into like our youth, cult, like youth is beauty and, and women and are not interesting when they're older, but. It's more just like all the weight of all the expectations that were placed on us as children. Like I still carry that where I'm like, I haven't saved the world yet. And it rears up its ugly head around birthdays. Listen, I get guilty if I just spend the afternoon like listening to a podcast or doing laundry or, or, you know, reading a book instead of you know, cleaning up around the house or like doing something productive because no, of this yeah. expectation to always be doing something, to always be like working hard, to always, I, I, I talk about it with my therapist every week. I swear every week, every week we're keeping them in business yes. um, to support small businesses. <laughs> um, yeah. It's my birthday tomorrow. My husband was like, what do you want to do? And I was thinking like, oh, I can like have a craft day and like, because I, I love just, like, doing nothing or, like, um, just, like, really taking, like, a quiet day for myself. Yeah. Sometimes going on a walk or some – occasionally we'll do something fun, like, go to the beach or whatever. Right. Um, but I just told him a couple hours ago, like, oh, actually, I want to go have a studio day. I need to set up new bookcases in my studio. And now <laughs> I'm like – do I really want to do that? Or did I just say that so I could be productive again? Right. Like on my birthday. I can't right. even escape it. So yeah. um, he is going to take me to a local wine bar. Are there, uh, our bookstore, our local bookstore just opened a wine bar. And he's like, <gasps> Amazing. oh, we should go there for your birthday. And I'm like, you know how many books I buy when I'm sober? <laughs> Can you imagine me buying books with a glass of wine in me? It's never happened before, but I think it's going to be crazy. <laughs> I think I might go nuts tomorrow. 
Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Besides that, I feel like I, speaking of books, though, I don't have many other books I'm reading. I'm in a book slump. I like haven't yeah. finished anything that I'm reading right now. Um, I don't know if are you have you finished anything? I just started reading. I requested this from the library and it just came Ooh, in. I love I've, a request. I've only I've only read like uh I haven't read that far yet, but it's nonfiction. Oh. It's called um, An Immense World, How Animal Senses Reveal the Hidden Realms Around Us. And and the author is Ed Young. He's Pulitzer Prize winning author, yeah. uh, science science writer. So it's, it's science, but he's really good at like making it interesting and digestible. And it's about animals. And yeah. I love it. It's really fun. It's like cozy, but it's also like... I need a cozy really, book. It's really interesting, and um, you know, it feels like watching a nature documentary a little bit, and you just learn really cool facts about animals, and I like it. I want nature documentaries where no animal dies. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm like, I can't deal with these nature yeah. documentaries where then they're like, oh, and then the baby bison's about to get eaten. I can't do that. Everyone loves what is it. Attenborough, Sir yes. Richard, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, I watched three minutes of one of those documentaries and then like a baby was about to die and I couldn't. And yeah. so can someone like clip all the scary parts out and send it to me? Because <laughs> I do love animals. Well, this one is about, you know, the senses, like how animals use their yeah. senses at, um, and and how he, it gets it, it gets into this really philosophical realm of like you know the way that we use our senses is how we experience the world and like as humans you know we we're mostly sight creatures like that's our main yeah. sense but for an animal like a dog their main sense is smell and so they experience the world in 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 a very, very different way. And even though we, ha we can imagine it a little bit because we have yeah. a sense of smell, it's, it's not the same. We're never going to be able to perceive the way the world's the way a dog does or the way a bat does who uses like mm -hmm. echolocation and like all these other kinds of things and how um, animals, you know, there are some animals that can, uh, feel the the magnetic poles, and that's how they know yes. how to migrate and Isn't where to go. Yeah, so it's it's fun. I really like it. It's one of, and it's one Love of those that. things that you can like read a couple pages because um, there's a lot of information to digest. Yeah. He has like a million footnotes. <laughs> you know, you can read a, a couple pages and feel like you've you've gotten a lot, and then put it down and then pick it up again later, and it you know. It's very Maybe cool. It'll be one of the books I drunk by tomorrow. I want to read more nonfiction. It's just I always read before I go to sleep, and then yeah. I only want to read fiction. I only want like a bedtime story. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. So hopefully I'll get out of my slump soon. I just keep like ha reading like a few pages or even like three quarters of a book, and then being like, well, I don't want to finish it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, need to it's all right. We've up. always got Jane Austen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I'm so excited to read next week uh, ne to record next week's episode. Me too. Yeah. 
This episode was produced, edited, and music done by me, Laurel Nakai. The artwork is by Akina Cox. And you can get in touch with us. Say hello at JaneAustinCultureNight at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter and TikTok at JaneCultPod. We love to hear from you. Come say hello. And we'll see you next week. Yesterday, I had this idea for a drawing, and I ended up Googling um, jellyfish anatomy. Mm. I was like, how do jellyfish move? And, like, how can I turn this into a drawing? And I was just like, they're so weird. (laughs) so weird. They have, like, these arms, and then their mouth is, like, in kind of, like, where our belly button kind of would be. Uh And it's, like, it's just wild. (laughs) Um, and yeah.